It's time now for Gina Gardner and Friends, the show that shares stories from inspiring people, from a wide range of expert guests, all focused on helping you live a happier, more successful, and fulfilling life. Gina Gardner is a multiple number one international best-selling author, motivational speaker, business coach, and trainer. She's the founder of Genuinely You, and has over 30 years experience of helping people step into their genuine, authentic power, personally and professionally. When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear, vaping is not safe for youth. Because vaping can put microscopic particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals into your body. And nicotine, which can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s. With appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media. Many kids think vaping is harmless, but it's not. So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping. Because when you talk, they hear you. Learn more at underagedrinking.samsa.gov. And now, here's your host, Gina Gardner. Hello there, it's Gina Gardner here, and welcome to Gina Gardner and Friends. And as always, I've got a great guest for you. Louise Richardson's a good friend. She lives up in Scotland, uh, in the UK, and she runs an amazing charity called Absafe. She's a good friend, and she is someone whose opinion I really value. And I'm sure we're going to have a great show today. So, Louise, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. What a wonderful introduction, Gina. And um, and it's absolutely uh, back at you, actually. And uh, so I'm absolutely delighted to be part of your of your show. Thank you very much. I know that children's safety is something that's very dear to your heart, but uh-huh. Before we get started on the whole theme of keeping children safe, but at the same time, giving them confidence to get out into the world without being scared. Um, tell us a bit about your story and how you got to this place, because you don't didn't start off in, in a charity doing safety, did you? No. So a, a, a large part of my background is I'm a nurse by profession but I've worked in um, various guises. So from uh, in my early days on wards and a cancer unit to intensive care, predominantly then following that um, in in the community. So as a health visitor, school nurse, um, I've had kids of my own. I've been a foster parent. I volunteered for young carers organization. So I've been around kind of kids and um, most of the adults I know are kids, by the way. So that, that probably helps. I've been around kind of kids and maintaining their safety and well-being for for around kind of 25 plus years. So it's been a long time. And latterly, I was running care homes. And so I decided I wanted to change. And uh, this post came up. And I think it's probably one of the best jobs I've ever had. So for lots of reasons. But one is that you when you influence and change, it kind of gives you a sense of purpose because you like to see people or I like to see people grow and develop and give them skills that allows them to be safe is amazing and so I don't do the work the kids do the work I just have a bit of fun while they do the work so you know a couple of projects we've done that we didn't we didn't know how they were going to turn out have just been amazing but that's because the kids have really wanted to have the information kids want to know how to keep themselves safe on some level they want to be smarter than, than some of the adults that are around when you give them information that maybe adults don't know. But ultimately, they, they want to feel better. You know, they want to be connected. They want to feel better. 
And as adults, we've, we've certainly not really given this generation, um, I suppose, uh, an opportunity to, to do that because we're very overprotective. You know, we drive kids everywhere. Um, I understand that fear. That's not, this isn't a social comment about fear or safety, but we don't allow that natural um, curiosity, the exploration of the world because we're so fierce as adults, we, we've got all these prejudged fears of what's gonna happen and, and what might happen. So that that has prevented young people from really experiencing situations where they're able to make critical decisions and they're, they're, they're not able to make good critical decisions because of that. So to influence that in a small way that we do, I think, yeah, it's a privilege. You know, it's interesting, David Little, who's a mutual friend of ours, was on the show um, a little while ago, and we were talking about resilience and how you have to learn resilience by experiencing things in life. And I think you're so right. We have cosseted children to the point where they can't problem solve and solution find for themselves. They expect somebody to do it for them. And I know I'm, you know, I'm pretty ancient now, but there was a time when, you know, children could play out in the street safely. Uh, the traffic wasn't there and, and there weren't all of the fears of, of abduction and all of those other things. And if we got ourselves into a pickle, we generally speaking got ourselves out of the pickle because you knew if you went home and you told your parent that you'd done something <laughs> silly, you'd be in big trouble. But we would build camps and we would uh, we would find ways to amuse ourselves and we'd climb trees and we'd go swimming in ponds and things. But and I'm sure there were some children who were hurt, but those who survived survived with a level of resilience and capacity to find a way through. So talk me through some of the projects that you have uh, engaged with children. What sort of safety aspects are you working on? So we have three core products really. So we have our core business is what we call our core business, which is at the same. So kids come here and it's got in the P7s or P67s so they are 10 to 12 year olds. We have eight rooms, which are a bit like a mixture between the crystal maze and escape rooms. So every room is set up, got a kitchen, like a kitchen. We've got a bedroom set as a kitchen. And we teach them from everything from cyber safety, road safety, rail safety. Um, the, the bedroom set out to teach kids about resilience and about how to keep themselves emotionally well. Um, the train, we, we tend to have, we have, we've got a train that makes a train noise, so we, we, we tell them we can't go, and literally in that room, a kid always pretends to die. I don't want people to think that I kill kids, I don't. They, they pretend to be run over by a train, and, and, and it kind of really kind of, they love that because it makes them laugh and it makes them giggle. But the idea is that we, we try and tell them you should never be on a train track. And these are the reasons why. And I think it works because we tell kids why. We don't just say don't do, we say don't do because, or we give them a choice. So we run a risk assessment matrix. That's why we all wear uh, red, amber, green. So we say, you're always in the amber. So how do you get to the green and not the red? So we, we, start, once we, we talk to them about risk and get them to start thinking about risk that they've never thought that way before. We are also launching an app in June, which is a water safety app, which is going to go down Aberdeen Beach. First one in the UK, we think. Definitely first one in Scotland. So kids can go along with their parents. They can scan it, brings up information, a little, little simple game on it. 
and that's really and that's really to get people to think about where they're at think about their environment so it's to take them out of intentional blindness so if they are down the beach and, and the kids are scanning at least they're, they're thinking about safety because as you know if you go if you're driving from a to b sometimes you get to b and go i don't know how i got here yeah. because there's nothing that's pulled you out of that inattentive blindness you're on autopilot so when we people go down the beach we want them to think oh there's a there's a massive sign of a crab that's weird what's that about but you're also already out of that thinking about nothing you know you're just kind of wandering along and then we've just completed a project with a small composite school um and actually worked really really well and mind safe so we we can we got a school to become a mindfulness school so what happened was now the kids lead the session. So we've got P3s who are seven, eight that are leading sessions around when mental well-being and, and leading the class in in kind of what we call quiet sessions, mindfulness sessions, where they do some pre um, pre-arranged breathing techniques, whether it be petal or stomach breathing or feather breathing. So that school is now mind like we're mind safe school. So they are and. and we went, it's interesting, Julie, because sometimes like, you know, kids can be so unpredictable, which is what I like about them. And so we went to video them, right? So we went to video them. And it's almost like we preempted it. It was almost like we told them to read a script. Their feedback was so great. It was almost like we'd paid them, <laughs> you know, but we've worked with these kids for six, like four or five months. So they would be honest. You know, we had one little kid who's P1, so she's five, who went, actually, that was rubbish. So it, they, they weren't, you know, they weren't always like, that's great, that's great. But, you know, the over, after the end of the project, they were very much, um, yeah, they understood how it worked. They understood why it worked. And because they do three sessions uh, when they get in the morning, after break, after lunch, they were able to really describe how that helped them in situations that were difficult. So what you've done is not only if you've got them to think about what is going on for them physically and emotionally and mentally, You've then got automatic feedback because part of the process is you always say to them, how did you find that session? So they've got this kind of like, well, actually, you're a bit quiet there. Do you think you'd be allowed the next time? So they've also then got this acceptance of feedback and, and, and hearing feedback. So nothing's always great. Well, actually, that was good, but that could have been better. And then they've got this mechanism now that they know that three times a day they're going to have two, three minutes where they can, they can sell. Yes. And yeah, blew my mind. These kids blew my mind. And, and I think when we look at what we do as a charity and how we've expanded, but if we could do that to every school in Scotland, particularly just because I'm based in Scotland, because I know there's something, there's a mindfulness school project in, in England, which is a bit different. But can you imagine if we did that in every school? So at P1, so at four or five, we were teaching kids how to manage their emotions or how to manage their if it's becoming overwhelmed you have the resilience and the ability to take a bit of time out and look what's going on you know and then by the time they get to p7 which will be 10 11 12 you know they're going into high school we're already with this sense of calm and kindness we, we, we call kindness a superpower you know we say kindness is a superpower we tell them it's free we think it's funny because i was going what is it they always go free because you don't need an app, you don't need a, you don't need any of those things. You literally just need yourself and your mind, which is always with you anyway. So I say to them, you, even if you go on holiday, you have to take those things with you. You can't detach your mind and then go to Tenerife for two weeks. You were always with yourself. So when you start telling kids that, they get it. 
they get it. But we sometimes, I think, we have to not be honest with kids because we're protecting them. We're actually protecting ourselves. So honest conversations at their level are really valuable because they need to know that the world isn't fluffy and light and feather-like and blue skies and white clouds and all that. Sometimes it can be a bit gritty and that's okay. So what we need to do is teach you how to maybe think about that in a different way and not rely on the medical model to fix that problem. Because a lot of it isn't a medical model. A lot of it is a social model and, a, and an emotional wellbeing model. I'm so, going yeah. to you there because we've got to take a short break and there's so much to unpack in what you've said. So just bear with us a minute or so. Listeners, don't go away. We'll see you after the break. Long day with ADT, it's safe to say, Nap time. Okay. When you know your home is protected by the largest security network in the industry. Protect what matters most with the security company that's helped save more lives than any other home security provider. Look out in the street there. You know what you don't see? My car, because I had to sell it to pay the lawyer I hired when I got busted for drunk driving. You know what else you don't see? My girlfriend, who decided that a guy with no car and no license and no money was no fun. And hey, you know what else you don't see? You don't see me leaving for work in the morning because I missed so much time with court and everything that I got fired. And all because, even though I was a little drunk, I didn't see any cops, so I drove home. Yeah, I didn't see them, but they sure saw me. Oh, hang on, I got a text. Oh, I see my friends are going out tonight. Now, would I rather see myself bumming a ride and some money, or would I rather see myself at home, alone, again? Tell you one thing, I don't see myself ever drinking and driving again. Cops are out there, cracking down on drunk driving all across the state. And they'll see you before you see them. Drive sober or get pulled over. Paid for by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Louise, I'm fascinated. Uh, and actually, what you say really confirms what I found when I was a head teacher or a principal. First and foremost, I think we hugely underestimate what children are capable of. And secondly, you talked about, you know, you can't take your brain and leave it behind. Well, actually, for the most part, most of us have taken our brain out, if you like, and have left it behind because we are thinking habitually. Our conscious mind is not involved in the day-to-day -day action at all. Everything is reacting to a habitual belief, a habitual way of being. And I, I think if we teach children call it mindfulness or reflection or just being, I think that's a huge skill for life. You know, I, I often think, why were we called human beings when most of us, myself included, are very much human doings? Yeah. And it's in the being bit, when you are still and you're quiet, when you are reflecting, that you can actually access that inner wisdom. And children are perfectly capable of doing that if they are, if that's modelled for them and they are given the chance to do it. So yeah. what are your thoughts? You know, there'll be lots of parents and teachers listening to this. If you had a magic wand and you could help parents and teachers perhaps do things a little differently, what would be your advice? I think first I want to say teachers do a great job. I'm, I want to say that off the bat, I wouldn't do it. I think their job is 
a very much, much more complex, thankless task than it's ever been in its history of teaching. So I'm going to start off with that. Secondly, parenting is hard. They don't come with a manual, do they? No, and it's hard. And I think it's okay, it's hard, you know? And, I, and I'm certainly, I've, I mean, I've, I've had four kids quite close together and worked full time on it. So it, it's hard. And so first thing I want to say, my first thing to say to them is, please be kind to yourselves. Please take a moment and just be kind to yourself before you even think about anything else. And the reason I say this, I say this to teachers sometimes and they haven't taken that breath. So how are we supposed to model it for kids if we can't do it ourselves? So and I, I always ask the kids an example and it, it'll lead somewhere. So I say to the kids, so when you go home and you say to your mum, dad, carer, who, who, whomever, like, how's your day been? And they go, fine. I say, is it fine? And the kids all go, nope, it's not fine. So we're very much not modeling what we're trying to ask them to do. So it's that same old adage as we're trying to get them to do something that we don't model well. And I'm not saying anybody just spill their guts out, you know, but there's something about going, do you know what, today I'm not as good as I was yesterday, but I'll be okay tomorrow. It's much more powerful, much more powerful than saying, I'm fine, this is going to be okay. Because kids, because we used to live in caves, as you know, I'm a bit obsessed with caves, but as we used to live in caves, our job was to, was to search danger. So if we're surrounded by teachers who are stressed, which we are because the system does not support them, then they're going to misread that, right? They're going to say, oh, why is, what, what am I feeling? What am I, what am I missing? So if, if a teacher says, look, I'm fine, because that's what they're supposed to say, the kids are like, oh, I'm not sure. They can feel it, right? Yes. So I don't know there's that mix of vulnerability that's very difficult, I think, in teaching. But I think we take we try and take the humanness out of teachers because they're so busy. They're so pulled in so many directions. I and mean, if you even just go and watch the teaching session now, I mean, they need like spaghetti arms, you know, they need just they need to have eyes everywhere. And, and nobody can do that. So we we. I also people teachers, we also set them up to do a job that actually that they don't we don't give them the tools to do and expect miracles. We expect miracles from them. So I think for me, I would just say if you could just take a moment for yourself, that will ultimately improve your relationship or your day. So when we do the mind, when we did the mind, the mind safe sessions at the, the Bank of Jeffrey, the, the primary school, the teachers now join in with those sessions. So they spend two two minutes, three times a day, just having a moment. And some of the feedback we got from them was, I then stopped thinking about the lessons. I then stopped thinking of that moment. I then stopped thinking about blah, blah. So they send and set themselves up because they are human beings and they need that space and time as parents do. And there's nothing wrong with a parent saying, do you know what? I'm not having a great day today. So what I'm going to do, if you can safely, I'm going to take two minutes. Yeah. And those two minutes will be the most powerful two minutes that you've got. It's interesting, isn't it, how the old adage on, a te- on a, a, an aeroplane is put your own oxygen yeah. mask on first. But I think so often, particularly for busy parents and for the most part, um, not always, mums who are trying to be superwoman and trying to do the, you know, cook the dinner and sort the children out and do the washing and very often work outside as well. Uh, But this is true of mums and dads uh, or busy teachers, that the bottom of their priority is them. 
and that by taking a little bit of time, they feel guilty about that. And of course, it's the way you do it and how you do it that makes the difference. But I think that just topping your battery up and being able to say to your child, you know, let's all have just, just two or three minutes where we're just going to be quiet together. Um, and then we'll take a deep breath and then we'll start again. And I've said so many times on this program, you know, breathing is just so important. And free. I mean, I, 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 I'm like you, Dina. It's, it's something we do all the time. And it's free. And you don't need anybody to help you with it because you do it. And when you, when you explain to kids, you know, you take it from a stressed part of the brain to a thinking part of the brain just by concentrating on your breath. It's, it's, it's proven to work because of the way you shift. So you're not in that state of fight and flight. You're in a state of thinking. Therefore, your adrenaline, noradrenaline, cortisol drop. So it's something that's so simple. But I, I guess adding to that, Gina, is that we, I always say to people, it's, you know, people say, oh, I've tried it, it doesn't work. Well, okay, you have, to, you, do, you have to learn to do it. It's like you were saying before. You have to learn how to do that. You have to learn how to be good to yourself. You have to learn how to focus on your breathing. And again, I don't want people to kind of sit down cross-legged and sing kumbaya and like candles and, you know, and make, but actually just being conscious of your breath in and out has such a beneficial effect, not only just on your mind, but on your body, that if you start to practice it, you can do it anywhere. So you can do it when you're driving, you can do it when you're stood in a queue, you can do it, you know, when you're going to give a presentation, you can, you, you start to understand that your body is quite simple and, and does send you messages but we very rarely listen we very rarely That's listen true. i mean one of the techniques that i taught my children at school and my staff and i've used with lots of clients that works very well please don't do this when you're driving because you have to close your eyes but it literally takes a couple of minutes that you sit down with your feet on the floor ideally with your shoes off but it doesn't have to be and then breathe. And I, I would say to the children, breathe all the way down to your knees with your eyes closed. It's because when we are stressed, we do very, very high, shallow breathing. And so right. you get into the belly breath. And then just for the first little while, concentrate on what you can hear. Nothing else. What can you hear? And what can you hear externally? Start with that. And then can you hear your own heartbeat? Can you hear your own breath? And then what can you feel? Can you feel the, the fabric of the, your trousers or your skirt? If you're outside, can you feel a breeze? How do you feel inside emotionally? What can you taste? What can you smell? And finally, just open your eyes and without pivoting your head all the way around, just be conscious of what you can see, the colours, the textures and so on. And that takes two to three minutes. And by the time you have finished, you will feel very different. And you have to feel very different because of the way your mind works. You're right, Jean. It's not, it's not something you've made up. It's scientifically proved. You, there's no way that you can hire your adrenaline when you're in that state of thought. You just can't do it. You can't operate those two things together. You're either in fight or flight or you're not. Yes. You know, so when you do that, I mean... But then when you do that, you can, like you say, you can do it anywhere with your eyes open. You can actually train yourself just to go, actually, I'm stood in this queue. I've got to get home, cook the tea, take the kids swimming, whatever. But actually, I can just, while I'm in this queue, a queue for the, the checkout, you can literally stand and just count your breath. 
even if you can't do all those things, counting your breath makes such a big difference because of the things that you've just said. And it, but you, but I say to people, you need to practice. You know, if you practice, practice, practice it. It's like if you want to go to the gym, you, you don't go to the gym on the first day, like me, try and spin class and then not walk for three weeks. <laughs> if you go, I mean, you know, if you go more often, it gets easier, it gets better, but it takes practice. Because I think there's something around immediacy um, and entitlement. Oh, I've done it once, it doesn't work, therefore I'm going to bin it. Yes. And I think that sometimes a bit of an issue and distraction so people are distracting themselves all the time so instead of really thinking about like what can i see what can i smell what can i listen what can i hear they're like well i'll get the phone out and i'll go on tiktok or i'll go on instagram or i'll do these kind of things yeah. because we're not resting we're just distracting our brain but not in a way that's that's good for us that's helpful yeah we're going to go to another short break now um while we're on the break can i suggest if you're not driving Give the exercise I talked about a minute ago, um, give it a go and see how it works for you. And I'd love to know how it works. You can always email me at Gina, G-I-N-A, at genuinely-u.com. But don't go away. We'll be back in a minute. Travel is part of the American way of life. When we're on vacation, we keep an eye out for anything that looks out of place. <laughs> Miss your bag. When we travel from city to city, we pay attention to our surroundings. Everyone plays a role in keeping our community safe. Whether you're traveling for business or pleasure, be aware of your surroundings. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. When you take your car in for an oil change, a good mechanic will also take care of other routine maintenance to make sure your car runs safely and efficiently. Protecting your health isn't much different. When you get a COVID-19 vaccine, it's important to make sure you're also protected from other serious but preventable diseases. It's easy and convenient to get other routine vaccines at the same time as a COVID-19 vaccine. So make sure you ask a healthcare professional about other vaccines you may need to maintain your health. Welcome back. Now, before we go into the last bit of the show, where can people find you? You can find us on absafe.org.uk. Um, we're on Twitter. Just put absafe in. We come up on Instagram. Um, you know, if you're local, please come and see us at the safe. We love showing people around. Um, yeah, so, and my email address is louise.absafe.org.uk. So, and we love chatting to people. Um, we're very passionate about what we do um, and we hear that a lot and I've been told not to use the word obsessed but passionate and focused so yeah I think the more people that we can reach to or, or even just share what we know with if we can save one people feeling a bit sadder or one person from making a mistake that they could have maybe thought about differently because we all make mistakes right so we all make mistakes or we can save one kid from not jumping into a cold water um, environment and then not being able to get out and, and losing their lives. I think then that's kind of why we get up every day and we do what we do. But I think the other thing we do is that midway where we understand that people are struggling and we understand that it's difficult and we understand that, you know, people can be in places that aren't feeling great. But I want to let everybody know we all get like that and nothing is permanent nothing is permanent like that so a feeling is is a temporary situation that that can change so what i tell the kids is and i i, I hope that's not going off topic but we have like children to sell 
and our cells are developing all the time. They, they grow, they, they die, they, they regenerate. Apart from the ones in the brain, which last a bit longer, I think a couple around the heart. But so even if you feel that you're in the same position, you're, you're not the same person physically. So it has to change. Yeah. So every breath you take, there is some change that has happened within your body that makes you slightly different in terms of your physicality. So if you if you feel stuck or feel that you can't see out of a situation, if you just do the breathing technique that you so eloquently put and remember that you're changing. So it's moving. It's always moving. Because if it didn't, we wouldn't age. No. We, we you know, we'd still look like we did when, you know, um, when we were younger but things are always moving it's not a bad thing so if you are feeling stuck or if you are feeling that you can't get out of something just remember we're always moving forward in the, you know, the final couple of minutes of the show what would you like to say to people about kindness so we're intrinsically born compassionate human beings right so we're all born compassionate and that's a thing that's a fact i'm not you can go in no we're all born compassionate kindness does if I'm going to be kind to you today, Gina, which hopefully I would because you're amazing. So today I'm going to give you some flowers, right? And you'd be delighted I gave you flowers and you deserve flowers. But actually the art, the act of me giving you flowers does me more good than it does you. You know, that's a great place for us to stop. And I would say to you as a listener, please be kind to yourself. Random acts of kindness to other people are a great way to live your life. If you need some help, reach out. Uh, Gina... Um, at genuinely-u.com and let us know what you think. Thank you so much for joining us and I look forward to seeing you on the next show. Take care now. And Louise, thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Gina Gardner and Friends, the show that helps you live a happier, more successful and fulfilling life. To learn more about Gina Gardner, go to genuinely-u.com. If you would like to work with Gina or book her as a speaker, email her at Gina at genuinely-u.com.